Uh, let me get my self set up here a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm really encouraged this morning. Um, so last week, Tyler Hendren in the morning took my place leading worship, and he led worship with the set that I made, which as a worship leader is very difficult because you kind of connect with the songs that you plan, and you're, you plan out the set, and then so he comes in the morning, he doesn't even know the songs we're doing, and he, and he leads them, and, and I'm so grateful for that. And, and then yesterday, uh, Josh, was, he's been sick for a while now, for three, three days lying on his back, and so yesterday we were messaging, and, and uh, so I'm able to take his spot this morning. And I was supposed to drum, and then Dave came and took my spot this morning, and so... You know, that, that's just, that's the body of Christ right there. We're supporting and, and helping one another when someone's down. And, uh, and I just, I really, I think it's a beautiful thing. So um, it's, it's wonderful. So we're, we're in the middle of a series here at church. And if Pastor Josh is listening, he's like, oh my, is he about to go down this road today? And I'm not going to. Um, <clears throat> but we are in the middle of a, of a series here. And, uh, and, but I'm pinch hitting this morning. Uh, so this morning, it's, it's going to relate to the series, but it's not necessarily an official, like, like I'm not talking about sex this morning. And so <laughs> we're going we're gonna to change it up a little bit, but it's going to relate still to this morning. Um, and, and we're going to start, um, <laughs> for those of you who are new here, that was just a bomb. Like, <laughs> what is happening? So I'm coming back next week, that's for sure. So. Anyways, um, <clears throat> I'm going to pray again. It feels, like a good, <laughs> feels like a good decision. It's always a good decision. Let me pray. Oh, Lord, we, we need you. We thank you that you're here. And I pray that you'd speak through me, that these would be your words. Amen. Amen. So does anyone know the, the resurrection is one of them? Does anyone know the other miracle that Jesus does in the Gospels, that's in all four Gospels. You can shout it out if you think you know the answer. Yes, loaves and fishes, yep. Feeding of the 5,000 is the, is the only miracle that's in all four Gospels, and we're going to unpack uh, that a little bit today, um, or that, that, I guess, that story. There's a couple chapters there where it talks about different parts of that story, and so in this story, Jesus has been teaching, and, and, and there's been a big crowd following him. Right? We're, we all know, most of us know this story. And they've been there for, for days, and they're tired and hungry, and Jesus is like, well, we can't just send them away. Like, they're hungry. So the disciples are like, okay, well, how are we going to, like, what are we going to do? He's like, well, Jesus is like, well, you, you guys feed them. He's like, that's, like, that's ridiculous. Like, there, like, there's so many, there's 5,000 men, and with women and children, could have been 10, 15,000 people. Like, how are we going to feed this many people? That's going to cost us, like, a year's wages. And Jesus is like, well, what do we have? Well, we have, we got five loaves of bread and two fish. And I just, as a disciple, I'm just like, what, like, this is what we have, Jesus. We have, this, like, five pieces of bread and fish. Like, how is this going to work? And Jesus, like, give them to me. And he breaks the bread, and he blesses it, and he pa- they give them to his disciples, and they pass them out. And everybody, it says, eats their fill. And there's 12 baskets of leftovers. Like, he literally made a potluck 
out of five loaves of bread and two fish for 15,000 people. And I think that that story becomes so familiar to us. But like that isn't, that's like, that is crazy that God would do that, that Jesus would do that. And so our, our main passage that we're going to talk about this morning actually comes directly after this story. And so I'm going to read for us a pretty lengthy part from John chapter 6. This is right after the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus feeds the 5,000. Then he gives, um, he tells the disciples, go across the sea, get in a boat, go across the sea, and, uh, and I'll meet you there. And it gets stormy, and Jesus then, like, walks on the water to them. And I think that also becomes familiar to us. Like, Jesus, like, walked on the water to his disciples. So just imagine the last time you're at the lake and seeing someone walking across there. Like, that's what happened. And then even in, in the John passage, it says Jesus got into the boat and immediately they were to the other side. Like, how did that work? Wow, that's like, that's amazing. And so this is the context where we find ourselves into John 6. Into John 6. Verse, uh, we're going to go to John 6, verse 25. So I'm going to read this passage. It's, it's uh, you know, 40-some, 50-some verse. I don't know, I mean, it's 40 It's 30 to 60 verses I'm going to read. So here we go. You know, I have a phys ed degree, so it's okay. I don't have to know math. That was just, that was a joke. I do know math. Okay. John 6, verse 25. When they found him, the crowds, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, Give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews, everybody say Jews. Jews. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? 
How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then, then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, there's a lot in there. There's a lot, a lot in there, and we are not going to touch everything that's in there today, okay? Um, well, let's, let's, let's get into this. So this is primarily a Jewish audience that Jesus is speaking to here, okay? And for the Jews, for the Israelites, they have their history, their story, so firmly fixed in their minds. And so... For us to truly understand what Jesus is doing here, we have to go back to Exodus. Because the story of the Exodus is, is like the story for the Israelites. And so most of us know the story. 
God calls Moses and God plans to free the Israelites from slavery out of Egypt. And he does this like miraculously and great power. Like there are plagues. It's cr- like it's crazy. And then at the end when, he, when Pharaoh says, yeah, you can go, the Israelites leave. We know the story. The Israelites leave. They end up at the Red Sea. And then Pharaoh's like, no, we're, like, we're actually going to go after them. So we have like the world superpower military behind them. We have a sea in front of them. They're, they are just, they're stuck, right? And we all know the story. God tears open the Red Sea, and they walk through, and then God destroys the Egyptians. Like, it's, it's crazy. And then they keep on going into the wilderness, and through a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, he leads and guides them. Like, let's imagine that for a second. Like, a pillar of fire in the nighttime, and it's like there. And like, what would that have looked like? How would that, like, if I'm, if I'm a, if I'm an Israelite in that time, like, th- this is just like, I would have for sure made, made a video, put it on YouTube, and I would have made a lot of money. Like, that, like, it's crazy what's happening. So, <clears throat> they're in the desert, right? God's leading them, guiding them in, like, miraculous ways. They get hungry. And they're just done. Like they're, they start complaining. They start forgetting all the stuff that just happened. And God graciously provides them with three different things. So we're going to continue the, the back and forth here. So what three things does God provide for the Israelites in the desert? Manna, water, quail. Yeah, manna, water, quail. Okay, quails have a bird. Okay, so he provides... Quail, manna, and water. Like, let's, let, let's pause again. Imagine yourself waking up in the morning, and there's bread on the ground. You collect it. You eat it. The next day, you wake up. There's bread on the ground again. You grab it. You eat it. Like, it, like that's just like, or imagine, <laughs> like, imagine you see water coming from a rock because Moses spoke to it, struck it with a staff. Absolutely, like this is this is nuts. Okay, I I, I have a picture um, of what people think. Um, some archaeologists and scholars think it might have been the rock that that water came out of for the Israelites. So this is a rock in Saudi Arabia, and uh, you can see there's a huge split on it. And they re- they don't think necessarily because there's a split because, but they think this mountain might be Mount Sinai, and this rock is 65 feet tall, six stories high. And when you, when you come from afar, like, you see the rock. Like, it's very noticeable. It stands out. So, like, oh, go to the rock and hit the rock. Oh, the rock. And so it seems to line up with where the Israelites would have been. We don't know for sure. Kind of interesting. That's maybe what the rock would have looked like. Anyways, that's just a fun little thing. Um, it helps us also picture the story a little bit, right? Like, I think it's important. So, anyways, and also, oh, it's, I forgot about this. What's also neat about this rock I don't have a picture of this, but if you get close to there and you go look inside that rock, there is tons of water erosion in the middle of that rock, which is really interesting because kind of that would line up with the story of water coming from it. So, kind of neat. Um, but anyways, so this is the story that the Israelites are in, right? This is what's in their minds. And so then we, get, we come to the New Testament, we come to Jesus, and we're going to stick specifically 
in the book of John. So actually at youth group, we're going through the book of John and what Jesus, um, who he says he is. There's a bunch of I am statements. So for all the youth in this room, you've already actually heard half of this message already. Uh, so this is review for you all. So this is great. Um, but in John 1, it talks about how the word was in the beginning with God. He was God. That Jesus is the word. And then we continue on in the story of John, and we see Jesus starting to call disciples. He's starting to tell people that God's loved the world, right? That he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish for everlasting life. He's like, that's a crazy statement to make. He, he does miracles. His first public one, he turns water into wine at a wedding. He starts healing people. He, not even in the room with him. Like he heals an official son, not in the room heals him. He goes and he, he goes into Jerusalem and he finds a man who's been unable to walk for 38 years. And one moment with Jesus, 38 years of not walking. One moment, Jesus says, get up and walk. A guy gets up and walks. Forever his life has changed. One moment, one encounter with Jesus. It's, it's, it's what Jesus did was amazing. He begins to say that God is his father, that he does whatever God does. He makes himself equal with God. Like the, the, the religious authorities are, are hearing what Jesus is saying, and they're like, this is blasphemy. We need to kill this person. This is, this is not good. And then we get to John 6, where Jesus feeds 5,000 plus people with bread and fish. And let's just notice this. He, he feeds them with five loaves of bread and two fish. Bread and meat. He feeds them with bread and meat. Well, where have you heard that before? That already happened in the Exodus. So if, if the Israelites, this is steeped in them, they all of a see Jesus feeding the crowds in the wilderness with bread and meat. They're like, where, where have we heard of this before? Like, their, their, their minds are turning. Their minds are turning. It goes on to say, when the people saw the sign, this is John 6, that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Like, we, there, this is a moment right now. This is not just a trick. This is a, this some kind of sign. This, this, we've seen this. This is the exodus all over again. This is manna and quail all over again. And so, the crowds go looking for him. After he sends his disciples away, the crowds go looking for him. They were just filled with bread. Remember, they were hungry. They were with him for a couple days. This, these people probably aren't the, the rich, well-to-do people. Like, food would have been maybe harder to come by for some of them. And Jesus provides them with food. And then we hit John 6, verse 30. And I'm going to read that again for us. John 6, verse 30. So they said to him, the crowds, to Jesus, What sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. See, it's, it's in them, it's in them, this story. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. 
For the bread is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus says to them, you are looking for physical nourishment right now. I'm about to just totally change your perspective. You don't need that. You need me. I am the bread of life. I will satisfy your hunger and your thirst forever. Forever. See, back in the wilderness, back in the Exodus, they were satisfied momentarily. They had to keep coming back day after day. Momentarily, they were satisfied. I am here to satisfy you forever. I'm here to give you eternal life, that you will never hunger, that you will never thirst. And I think there's two different types of life that Jesus is, is, is offering, is what he's offering to, to them, what he's offering to all people, is first there's a, there's a quantity of life, right? Like Jesus is saying, you're going to live forever. If you look on me and believe, you will live forever. And I think, I mean, that, like there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness, no more death. Those who believe in Jesus will live forever with him, and it will be the most incredible thing we've never, that we've, it'll be the most incredible thing that we've never experienced. Like it, it says in the scriptures that we can't even imagine what it will be like. We can't even imagine. We can't even think it up, it says. Like no, the, the mind has not imagined what God has in store for those who believe in him. And so there's an eternal life. There's a forever life. Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. I am the one. It's just me. The Father sent me. I'm the bread. I'm the manna, but I never, I never run out. It's me. But then he also, Jesus comes, and he's, there's, there's an abundance of life that Jesus is offering to us in the present. There's an abundance of life. John 17, verse 3 says, This is eternal life, that they know you the one true God in Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And it also says in John 10, verse 10, that the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, but that Jesus has come that his people may have life and have it abundantly. Have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is here. This is going to be, this is going to sound like, <laughs> this is going to sound wrong, but it's not wrong, Okay? Jesus is here to satisfy our desires. Jesus is here to satisfy our desires. Now, please don't just, ha like, just don't quote that and then, like, put that on. Like, Jesus is here. We all have desires within us. We all have desires within us. He goes to the basic ones. He goes to hunger and thirst. But we all have desires in us, right? Why is it that sometimes when we have power, there's something that, feels like we feel fulfilled or satisfied when there's power we have. There's authority that we have. Sex, like there's, there's a fulfillment of desires that happens in sex. Money, money can give us value can, or can make us feel valuable and, can, and we can put our value and put our satisfaction in having money and using money and whatever it might be with money. But all those things, all those things, apart from Jesus, will leave you 
unsatisfied. Unsatisfied. See, we've all been made, we've all been made to find our satisfaction in Jesus. And so when he is fulfilling us, he is fulfilling all of our desires. We find all of our desires fulfilled in Jesus, the bread of life. In this age and in the age to come. There's a deeper level. It's not, oh, I desire to, I desire to have a brand new car. Jesus is not guaranteeing that that desire is going to be fulfilled. He wants to def- desire the deep desires within you that, are God, that he's placed in there. Jesus keeps on going. He keeps on going. In, uh, in verses 53 to 56, he says some insane things. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. All right, so Jesus is now advocating for cannibalism, okay? No, but it's like it's weird. Like imagine you're there in that situation and then all of a sudden this man says, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. It's like, that's weird. That is weird, Jesus. Like what are we supposed to do with this information? And like that, like Jesus says some crazy things when he was on the earth. But he He's, this means many, it can mean several different things. Who, who, who eats his flesh and drinks his blood. Jesus, is prof- one of the things he's doing, he's prophetically speaking about what's about to happen. He's about to go to the cross. He's about to have his flesh beaten. He's about to shed his blood on the cross for all of humanity. And, and Jesus is saying, like, you need to See it, and you need to put your trust and life in the fact that I have done it for you. You need to look to the cross. You need to feed on the cross. He's prophetically speaking here, but not only this, but if we think about what the church, what did we do last week? Did anyone remember what we did last week during our gathering? Right in the middle of the gathering. Communion, okay? What do we do when we do communion? Jesus told us, he, he reminded us over and over again, like, do this in remembrance of me every time you eat. He says, this is my body. This is my blood. He's inviting us to participate somehow in the body and blood of Christ, in the flesh and the blood of Christ. He's, he's like, and then all those who call upon Jesus, they take communion together. And it's part of this feeding on Jesus. And not only that, but, I mean, Jesus in Matthew 4, when he goes to the 40 days of, of, into the desert with, uh, to, to fast and pray and to do battle with the devil, then he says that man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus himself was feasting on God. Now he was finding his sustenance from God. And so that's, that's involved in this. Like the, it's, it's not just cannibalism. There is, this is rich. Like this is rich. Those who feed on Jesus, trusting in the cross, living their life, seeking to abide and commune in him, those who, they have life. They have life. Keep going. Uh, we're going to go to verse, uh, verse 60. 
<clears throat> when many of his disciples heard it, now this is his disciples, his followers, his followers hear Jesus say this. They said, this is a hard saying. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Have you ever felt that way? Where you read something in the Bible or maybe you, you sense that God's asking you to do something. Maybe it's something that's happened in the past seven weeks in this building during this series. And you hear something and you're like, this is a hard saying. This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Jesus has been saying hard things since he showed up. And he never promised that it was going to be easy to follow him. And I think it becomes really hard when things in our life that, maybe something the Bible says, or something we sense the Lord saying, grinds against what the culture and the world says is good. Then it's like, this is hard. How am I going to, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? Something I've appreciated about what Pastor Josh has done over the past seven weeks as we've tackled different difficult conversations has been how simply he has done it. It has been very much of, of sharing kind of facts about the culture, about the history, how we got here, what people say, like quotes, and then he matches it up against the Bible. And there's been so much scripture used in this series and very simply, what does the scriptures say? And often what the scriptures say are contradicting what the culture and the world right now are saying. And I've appreciated that because, I mean, Josh has like, he has like unpacked things, but it's been very simple. And we're letting the word do the talking. And so I've really appreciated that. And I think, um, I think we all have to wrestle with that. We all have to wrestle with that. And like, there are hard things that we have to grapple with, but we have to look to the word. Let me finish here with the last part of the passage. Verse 63. Actually, no, verse 61. Keep going. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Have you ever felt offended by God or at God? I have a friend of mine who actually led worship at my wedding. Him and his wife became offended at God, and they walked away. And I'm, I'm sure there's many of us in this room that have stories of people in our life who have walked away because of hard things that Jesus says. Uh, people did it when Jesus was there. It's not new. And Jesus says, verse 62, What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. We'll go to verse 65. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. After this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? And we just love Simon Peter here because he often gets it wrong in these moments. <laughs> he, gets it, he gets it right here. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? 
you have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I think as we continue on in this series, and not only this series, but just life in general, we, we need to be like Peter and say the, answer the question, Lord, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. You are the Holy One of God. You are the one that says in the beginning, the word is with God. You are the one who can walk on water. You are the bread of life. You are the resurrection life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You are the Son of Man prophesied about in Daniel 7. You are the King of Kings. You are seated on the throne in the heavenlies right now at the right hand of the Father. You have the words of eternal life. Whatever the world says, I'm always going with what you say. Whatever the world says, I'm always going with what you say. Maybe there's some of you in this room that really struggle with some of the things Jesus said. I just want you to know this morning, he has the words of eternal life. His, li- his words are spirit and truth. If you, and, and he, not only that, he is coming. Like we, we, carry me, I'm kind of, this is, okay, we're going to just turn the notes down here for a second. Okay, carry me are going through this marriage book right now together. And in there, um, the, the, the author uh, talks about how we often get these questions of like, well, the, the culture does this and the culture does this. And, the, and she says in this, she says, like, since when do Christians operate as, like the culture does? Like, Christians have always been different than the culture. Jesus was extremely different than in the culture that he was in. Our goal is not to, is to be like the culture. Our goal is to be like Jesus, and that will be countercultural. That'll be countercultural. See, Jesus came to make a new humanity. Jesus came to bring a new kingdom. See, there's two kingdoms operating right now in the world. There's a kingdom of heaven, and there's a kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of darkness, who, you know who's in charge of the kingdom of darkness? Satan. And so if we operate by the world standards when it contradicts what the scriptures say and what Jesus says, we are operating in the kingdom of darkness, not in the kingdom of light. And Jesus says, I am coming again to fully establish the kingdom of heaven. And my words are spirit and truth. My words are eternal life. And the disciples recognize that you are the Holy One of God. Where else would we go? Even if it ends in death, that's what, and then they proved it. Like church history says that all the disciples, I think, or most of them at least, died for their faith because they believed that Jesus was the Holy One of God. And so maybe there's maybe you're here today, and you're wrestling through, um, wrestling through the idea of power, and you're wrestling through authority structures and you're wrestling through government stuff and you're wrestling through gender roles or whatever, like whatever we've talked about so far, I just, I, I implore you, please base your convictions 
and your life on what Jesus says. Not on what the culture says, not on what feels good, because here's the crazy thing, is that um, there's a reason why it's tempting to go with the culture, because it feels good. Like, it's not like the enemy, like, uses horrible things to tempt us. Oh, man, like, I should sin and eat that mushroom. I don't like mushrooms. Anyway, that's the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Apparently, I think mush- mushrooms are sinful. Did you guys know that? That's clearly, it's in Leviticus 26. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's okay. Um, <clears throat> so, he's not going to tempt me to eat mushrooms, okay? He's just not, that's not going to happen for me. Okay? He's going to tempt us to do things that feel good. That's what he's going to tempt us with. Like the kingdom of darkness, if we would go into that temporarily, that will feel good. That will fulfill something within us. But ultimately, it's going to lead to death. Jesus invites a different way. He invites us to walk in the kingdom of heaven, which will probably be harder in this life but it will lead to life, life abundance. Etern- like, in the present, there's an internal life. Like, we, like, in John 8, Jesus says, he's, whoever, I'm the light of the world, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Like, there's something that happens within us when we walk in the ways of Jesus and choose to follow him and not in darkness. And, uh, and Jesus is, man, Jesus is, He's inviting us into that. He's inviting us into that. And so, um, which, is, which is just, how can we say no? Where else would we go? Where else would we go? So if you're here today, and, and there's, there's, man, there's, there's, there's kingdom of darkness things happening in you. For instance, like maybe there's sin in your life that you... Are, are just struggling in. And you can't, you just, you, you're trying to do it and you're trying to do it and you're, 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 you're keeping it a secret and you're trying to do it and you're, you're, you can't deal with it. Like, man, expose that darkness. Deal with it. Get rid of that darkness. Ask someone for help. Cling to Jesus. If there's sin that you're struggling with, I, I can pretty much guarantee if you keep it a secret, you will probably continue to keep struggling with it. That's just the way it works. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Um, maybe there's ways of thinking of how you do life or ways of thinking about maybe the topics we've talked about so far in this series or other things that look more like the world and the darkness than the kingdom of heaven. I just implore you, man, like, Come to Jesus, spend time in his word, know what he says is good, seek to live in that way by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. It leads to life, abundant life. That's what I, I love about this. Like it's not, it's not a, a rule-based like do this, do this, do this so you can be a good Christian. No, live the way of Jesus so that you can have eternal life and abundance and the light of life shining through you. Like, that, that is good news. That is good news. I want to finish off um, with a passage from Joshua. 
chapter 1. This is uh, it's God, it's Yahweh, and he's, he's uh, commissioning Joshua to take over for Moses. And Joshua 1, verse 8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So he says, and there's elsewhere in the book of Psalms too, this is talked about. He says, meditate on the word of God day and night. And then, that, then you'll be able to actually live according to it. So I think if we seek to try and live the way of Jesus, live a life of freedom, but it's apart from his word, it's apart from being with him, it's apart from uh, spending time with him, like it's going to be pretty much impossible to live the way of Jesus apart from Jesus, <laughs> apart from his spirit empowering us. But if we have a life that where we are, we are constantly fixing our attention on God and allowing him to work in us and, and, and work in our character and deal with sin in our life and and spend time in worship and, and just quiet before and spend time in community with one another. We're putting ourselves in a position, we're putting ourselves before God, and he can move in that. He can work in our hearts, and he can all of a sudden, that the life that he invites us to becomes more of a reality within us. And so, um, I, I just think, where else would we go? You have the words of life. Jesus, you have the words of life. Where else would we go? I invite the worship team out for a closing song. And uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll worship Jesus together. The Holy One of God, the one who has the words of eternal life, we're going to worship him together. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Oh, Lord, you are the bread of life. We will never hunger and we will never thirst when we come to you. And you say to come, you say, all who are weary, come to me. I will give you rest. Take my yoke and my burden, for I am gentle. Jesus, you are good. You are life. And we want to just, we want to joyfully submit to you this morning. And so, Lord, would you just well up in us hearts of praise as we close out our gathering time together. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Stand together. <laughs>